0: Welcome to the Fast Brackets podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, it is episode number 31. It is the third week of November. Essentially, our seasons are over at this point, so that makes us sad. Rob, do not dare play any of that Sinead O'Connor again. Um, but uh, but um, you know we're done. We're kind of re-viewing uh, and refocusing for next year. I will tell you that I have had an absolutely great week. Um, as some of you know or remember, if you have been in with us since day one from the very first episode. My other addiction is college basketball. I am a huge hoops fanatic. Um, I was lucky enough to play very, very poorly at the University of Evansville. And if you followed college basketball at all this week, you know that my Aces, my Evansville Purple Aces went into Rupp Arena, where the University of Kentucky plays, maybe the toughest arena of all of college basketball And upset Kentucky. It is, in my estimation, and I've uh, done a lot of research on this, it is the greatest upset in college basketball in the last 20 years. So I have been on cloud nine. I have been incredibly fired up. So um, all of Fast Brackets Nation, if you are so inclined, and you heard a little bit when uh, Brad Plord and I talked about that last week, um, if you're so inclined, you should check out and go ahead and jump on that bandwagon of the aces. Uh, there is plenty of room and uh, just very, very excited. So a little glimpse of uh, what has gone on with me this past week, all very good things, even though our season is coming to a close. Uh, A couple other things, PRI is coming up, um, so that's really exciting as well. Uh, Most of you are making the trip to Indianapolis. Uh, If you're not, what are you doing? Get here. It is unbelievable. It's the greatest show, Uh, much better than SEMA in my opinion because it is all racing all the time, and so that's really good. We're going to have a couple of things going on uh, for Fast Brackets Nation during that uh, week. The First of all, we're still trying to finalize a bowling team, a fast brackets bowling team that is at uh, uh, a bowl a on the west side of Indianapolis for Riley Children's Hospital. It is an incredibly great cause, and I'd love to uh, finish out a team and have a good time. Last year was an absolute blast. All the pro teams are there from Don Schumacher Racing, and uh, we'll we'll have a great time. Also, finishing up details um, with PRI itself and then a a major sponsor – for a live show that we will be doing, um, I, I believe we're going to finalize that here shortly this week, um, a live show during PRI. So we will get that information out to you and you know, hopefully you can join us for that if you're in Indianapolis for PRI. All right. Uh, hey, we have a couple of great guests uh, for you guys this week. The first is Earl Falls. He is your Outlaw Top Sportsman Series champion for the Midwest Pro Mod Series you may remember him. Earl is absolutely great. I can't wait to get him on and talk to him and uh, get caught up. The second is PJ North. He's a superstock competitor and a country music singer. So I can't wait to get them on. Uh, I know you're going to love them. So let's get to it. Get to whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, load into the rig. Metaphorically speaking, get strapped in, Get your helmet on because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put it in the water box and talk about workplace violence today. Guys, girls, I don't know if you saw what happened at the top end at Pomona between Steve Torrance and Cameron Ferry, but uh, my goodness gracious. Uh, The champ... um, did not uh handle himself correctly and you know for a guy who is trying to be the face of the sport as your top fuel champion that was not a good look. It wasn't a good look for him and quite frankly that it's not a good look for anybody. Um I can you even imagine being a guy who smacks somebody in the face and then runs away afterwards. I I I can't I can't get down with that, and um, and I, for the record, am a guy who believes that the world needs more violence, not less, more. I mean, think about it. If people were afraid of getting smacked in the face, uh, there would be a lot less stupid Facebook posts out there, and people would say a lot less dumb things, but they've got this protection now to be able to say dumb stuff and not get whacked. Um, in my opinion, the world needs more judging and we need more violence in the world. That would help clean things up. I'm um, about it. If there was more judging in the world, there'd be less people going to Walmart in their pajamas. That would clean some things up because they'd be fearful of getting judged too many times. Let's not judge them. Let's not judge them. You know what? Let's do. Let's absolutely judge people and clean their act up a little bit. Um, you know, If someone swings on you, in my opinion, you should be able to go after them and bring the thunder without any repercussions. You should be able to go and whack somebody if they come at you first. It would make the world a better place. I mean, just ask me. I will tell you the world would be a better place if somebody comes and attacks you, you can whack them back. We would certainly have less wars in the world um, if we use that approach. I mean, the United States could easily go and crush anybody we wanted if we weren't trying to tiptoe through it. Um, but we've softened so much up in this world that it's uh, it's hardly recognizable truthfully from the playgrounds that I grew up on. Um, defending yourself somehow is a bad thing now and that's sad for all of us really. Um, you know, sometimes people just need to get out of the way and let men handle business. That being said, Cam didn't deserve any of that mess. Um, I, for the life of me, cannot figure out how anyone would get upset about another person staging. The tree accounts for all of that. There was nobody being burned down. There was nobody being um, playing games. There was none of that stuff. It turns out the only person that thought Cam didn't stage correctly was Steve Torrance. His crew didn't think so. Nobody in the booth thought so. Nobody in the stands thought Cam was doing anything uh, incorrectly. But Steve Torrance did. I mean, hold on. Wait. This just in. Cam Ferry is allowed to try to win the race. He's allowed to. So whatever he wants to do, he wants a deep stage. He wants a shallow stage. He wants to be on the chip right from the water box. Good for him. It doesn't matter if he doesn't want to do a burnout. It doesn't matter. He's trying to win the race. That's part of why we line up. I mean, how cocky do you have to be to think the guy or girl in the other lane that who has busted their butt doesn't deserve the right to line up and try to kick yours? I mean, it is absolutely insane to me. I don't care how many apologies you give. That is beyond acceptable, and uh, I can't deal with that. I mean, drag racing for sure needs more action. There's no doubt about it, and they got it with that top-end action, but... And I'm not condoning the roundy round stuff. There's a reason why uh, I don't roundy round race, and I don't want drag racing to turn into that. I mean, I knew that I would have to fight my way out of every roundy round track, and uh, you know I could hold my own for the most part. I'm gonna lose plenty of those as well, and that's not a strong long-term plan. So I don't want that happening in drag race drag racing, but to let that go on without any issue either letting cam go whack him without everybody you know stand in line trying to protect him is unacceptable and not reprimanding steve Torrance is unacceptable on that side as well from the nhra so that has no place in drag racing it hurt the sport for sure and i don't like any of it All right, let's put it in the beams presented by ThisIsBracketRacing.com and bring on the first ever Midwest Pro Mod Series Outlaw Top Sportsman Series Champion. He was on episode three early in the podcast. So if you have not listened to episode three, stop what you're doing right now. Go to episode three, listen to our next guest so you can get caught up to speed um he is from raceland louisiana earl false earl how are you today my man
1: good rex how you doing
0: i'm great i'm great uh i am not as good as you i am not the first ever uh outlaw top sportsman series champion and you are
1: oh okay <laughs> You can't be the first one again, but you still got a shot at the rest of
0: them. That's right. No, you, <laughs> you, uh, you did it. You, uh, you got that done and uh, claimed your spot in history. So nicely done with that. Um, but you, you and I talked early in the season. Um, but for our listeners, I mean, this was not an easy road. This was not just you knocking it out, winning the first series, and then, you know, or the first event, and then just coasting the entire series. So. Let's let's take our listeners through this year for you a little bit, and maybe start with this time last year. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Um, finishing up uh, Division Four
0: last year. You talking about? Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, last year Division Four started out pretty good. We felt like uh, we had a car to win the championship if the driver showed up, you know. <laughs> and we went semifinals on the first one. Uh, we won the second one. And I kept the lead up until coming into our last race, thinking me and Bob Gallitti was going to fight it out. If I went out early and he went deep, he could beat me. It the only one kind on the radar. And Kurt Pikey and Monty Weaver goes to the double race in Topeka, and they both did awesome. This. One wins each day, and they both made a hard move, and Kurt passed me by nine points at that point. So we come into the last race, well, I need two rounds to, he was done. You know, he, he was claimed out. But if I got to second round, I could take over the championship. Monty was still on the radar, but he had trouble and he was making all of his races count. I end up going out second round, so I don't pass Kurt. Monty wins the event and then goes to Vegas, needs one round and wins it. So Monty and Kurt passed me up. I lose by nine points. So that's kinda of how it ended. A little bit of a uh let down, but just motivated me for this coming year. Yeah. And coming into this year, we knew pretty much me, Bob, Kirk had decided, yeah, we're gonna run division four, but we was looking for something a little different, you know, just kinda of felt like, you know, nothing against NHRA, just kinda of how we you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh Keith was offering this Friday Saturday event. And it seemed real tempting, you know, show up Friday afternoon, race, uh, qualify Friday race on Saturday and it's over. So we kind of all went there. So my motivation was, okay, I want to beat these guys and, you know, just prove a point in my own, you know, my own, uh, agenda, I guess. So works out first round. I get money at the first race. So I put a 11,000 package on him and beat money. Uh, second round, Kurt goes red on me and then I beat Bob in the final. So that first race meant more to me than just that win. You know, it was <laughs> just, uh, beating the guys that beat me for the championship round the year before.
0: Right. And, and you're a competitive guy. Um, if our listeners haven't picked up on that and, um, yeah, that, so that, that was a good start that you kind of felt like you, um, and these are friends of yours, but you you felt oh, yeah, like definitely. you, you yeah. felt like you validate yourself, yeah,
1: yeah. All all, all of us uh, out of those mentioned, when when I lose, it's not a confrontation or anything. You know, you both you let down because you lose, but you're still happy for the other guy. You know, no,
0: you're not Steve Torrance, is that what you're telling me?
1: That's right. <laughs> 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 no we, we don't go to that extent <laughs> we'll shake hands but we, we we don't have to watch the other day
0: <laughs> right right <laughs> so, so you you then so you start like that and then you go to you say hey well um let's let's follow this a little bit and then you go to st louis with the midwest pro mod series um and you had a good weekend that weekend
1: yeah it started out meeting you not knowing who you were that's <laughs> right. That weekend trying to buy your from under you a <laughs>
0: <laughs> rig. <laughs> yeah. You had a much better weekend than I did, but, uh, and cause you went on and won that thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Those first two races, as far as the car mechanical and, you know, everything fell into place. And, um, I think the only one I ran across again was Kurt. And I kind of had the feeling with Kurt, uh, I had run him the last two events. One, he red-lighted in the finals in a division race against me. And then the next one was the uh, first event of the Midwest Pro Mods. He red-lighted again. So I I told my crew, I said, he's not going red. He's going to be late. And that's what happened. Um, You know, because he just kept feeling like, you know, he was so close that he can't go red. So I had a good feeling he'd be late. And he was like 40. I was 20. And that got me to the finals, I think, where we run – I'm not mistaken. I think it was Mark McDonald in the finals.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Got it done in St. Louis.
0: Yep. And so you you win that one um and and we've already talked about your setup is a little bit different. So um our listeners can go check all that out um on the third episode, but you you run a clutch and Lenko, which is different from uh, most top sportsman setups. Um, but, uh, you know, so when people, you say, Hey, I'm going to put a 20 on the board. That's not just as simple as letting go of the button. Like a lot of people do. Uh, there's a little more action to it involved, but, uh, so you win St. Louis and then, uh, and then talk to us from there.
1: Well, from there, we kind of, I run a transmission shop and we stay extremely busy. So there's not a lot of time to keep the car. If everything's going good, we didn't even take it out of the trailer. So we show up in, uh, Tulsa. And when we left uh, St. Louis, I think the, the race tune-up was running. was we somewhere around a 419. There's a little worse than Tulsa, but not much. And I'm figuring I should run around a 23. We come out of the trail, and it makes a good run, but I'm 32. I'm thinking, well, that's okay, but it's not really, you know, something's going on. Couldn't really find anything. Looked at everything and say, well, maybe it's just different conditions. We're going to deal with what we got. I come back, I go at 34. So we hunt and hunt, and we can't find anything. Then put a set of plugs in it, I mean, but really didn't see anything. And dial a 34. So I got the mindset that it's slowing down, never thinking it's going to speed up. I'm running a 490 car, so it's going to be hard to judge. I end up being double O, he's like 90 on the tree. And by the time I realized, I'm still thinking I'm slowing down, slowing down. while well, I'm blowing by him, and I end up running a 23, which I should have run right from the get-go on the brakes hard.
0: Hmm.
1: So first round, you know. So but then, And then Bob goes on to win, who was the closest one to me. Right. Bob you know, you know yeah. how that works out. Your, your rival, if you do bad, he's going to win the reset. <laughs> right. You can see it coming, you know. <laughs> So then we leave there, and the next one I think was uh, Extreme around Dallas, Extreme Motorsports. And we get there thinking, well, now it's fixed. You know, it was just bad plug that we couldn't even see Yeah, is what I'm thinking. And we get there, and it's quick one run, slow another. I mean, we're moving from a, a 20 to a 19, I mean, a, uh, say a 30 to a 19, you know, and we just chasing it, trying this, trying that, and can't put our finger on it. So we out first round again and come home and just check as much as we can and, right. you know, make some changes but never really could put our finger on anything. And I'm trying to think of where we went next. But I know I had three first-round losses, and we just kept digging, kept digging. And I think we finally uh, – it showed itself. It was a bad solenoid when it finally went out completely. On a, It was not letting nitrous – momentarily in like not enough to even feel it or see it until it went out completely. Hmm. So once we find that, I mean, we had stuff like a car uh, uh, a grid went out just for no reason. And then, you know, and it all comes together. And then we went semis at the last two races and Bob had took over the lead by this point. So just kept digging, you know, it it was, it was hard for a while looking like, man, we, (laughs) We get another first round loss. We're done, you know.
0: But you had a little lead, and so you were um, had. So once you kind of figured that out, then it was back to your old self with, uh, with cutting right. lights we, and. Going yeah, from
1: there. We, the car was back on. I was on the tree. Uh, felt real good, like I could win Memphis, and it just you know got beat in the semis. Uh, I don't remember the details at all, but it was a good race and got beat. So we're still feeling good about it, and we made a move on Bob, but. Coming into the last race, he still had uh, – I forget how much of a lead he had, but he needed to go out – I needed to get to the finals and he'd not be there. That's kind of the way I was looking at it. And as the ladder played out, we made good runs. We were feeling real killer about the car. Um, I was on the tree. I was, like, my first run, 001 red, put two numbers in I'm double 001 green. Feeling real good about that. Bob – had to run a guy and he had a bot. The winner would have a bye to the semi. So if he wins first round, I think I couldn't catch him no matter what. So I really needed him to go out and then I had to go two rounds. So I'm sitting in the burnout hole and he goes red. No, I'll take it back. He didn't go red. He went, he was late. The other guy just put a dead on killer run on him and he got beat. So that opens the door for me. Yes. But then I got Tucci in on the loudspeaker and if you, Then the events where he's announcing, you know, he's, he's he's killer, but it's also, it's in uh, Tulsa, the, the sound system is awesome. So I got that in my window that Earl has to win, you know, got to, got (laughs) to get two rounds and it's like, shut up, (laughs) up," you know, and, and I can feel myself with the nerves. And then I said, nope, time trial time. I got to change the mindset, you know, and uh, I was a double O three dead on with a five to get the first round win.
0: Eight pack and, with with the pressure yeah. on. Nice. With the
1: pressure on. I mean I just I just had to do it. You know, I just wasn't cutting to no slack and uh, come back needing that one more round and she red lighted. I was nineteen on the tree and that, that got me the championship.
0: Uh that's very cool stuff, man. Um we appreciate you uh walking us through that. So um yeah, I mean that that just talks and every champion will tell you that it's never easy. I mean if if any of this stuff um if it's worthwhile, it's not easy and you battled. Oh yeah. And uh, there're probably times when you were like, ah, why am I loading up this weekend?" right? If I got problems, <laughs> why am I loading up? And and you kept at it. So uh yeah, and ultimately got it done. So congratulations to you or all that's Thank you. uh they'll never take that away from me, man.
1: Appreciate it. Appreciate it.
0: Um well now that you've got uh the big trophy or whatever they give you i I guess i should do a better job i don't know exactly what they give you um for the championship but uh, you've got that and you're the first ever midwest pro mod um top sportsman or outlaw top sportsman champion what's uh what's next for next year i mean last year at this time you were motivated to do better is this motivate you even more
1: yeah well i want to i want to go back and repeat it as far as that goes Uh, I, i plan on defending and going back and you know Try to just be real competitive, and I'm definitely going to say so in it. Um, and I think I'll do probably Division four again. Uh, I would love to go run some – I'm going to run one or two nationals, but it's just so hard to be going to run. I would love to run for a world championship, but I, I really can't because of my business, so I probably won't attempt that. Yeah. But I'll probably try. I, I want to – go after Division Four and a uh, uh, summit deal and, and see where that takes it, you know. Yeah. Uh yeah. some racing with my son, whether or not he runs with us. He has a, a car similar to yours that you know it's got a it's a little sixty eight Camaro tube chassis car with a five ninety eight and two kits on it. But we're gonna uh he could even get into the top sportsman. So we may if we get some help, you know, uh crewing Put him on the slow side, me on the fast side, and maybe get to run each other. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see what that takes us. You know,
0: nah, that's that's good stuff. Uh, that'd be really cool if you guys could both run together.
1: We want to, it's just real hard, you know, without uh <laughs> extra help, right? Even if everything goes right, you know, that's, that's a hard deal.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. People, I don't think people truly understand unless you're in it how much work goes in to making those cars go down the track, and uh, right, right. You have done it at the very highest level. So, congrats and uh, thanks so much for coming on and kind of walking us through your championship season.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it.
0: Today's half track report is brought to you by Drag Lawyer.com. All right. Um, since we are done with the season, Um, there really is nothing to report on in terms of on-track action this last week. So I'm going to give you just up to speed on all the world champions if you didn't know. Um, so just NHRA finish it up and Pomona and their champions were as followed. The top fuel champion is Steve Torrance. We've discussed him and his act in detail earlier in this show, um, the funny car champion is Robert Height. He's That's his third world championship. Congrats to Robert Height. I see him every so often at Applebee's of all place and places, and he really could not be nicer, so uh, happy for that dude. Erica Enders gets her third Pro Stock World Championship in what was a, a really cool uh, shakedown in Pomona. Um, Greg Anderson makes his move. Cuts it off at 1,000 feet to get her first round, which is the only way that um, Jason Line and his crew could get back up there and win that thing. Um, didn't work out, but it was one heck of a drag race. I mean, yeah, maybe one of the best drag races all season. So, uh, But congrats to Erica Enders on her Pro Stock Championship. Um, Pro Stock Motorcycle Andrew Hines gets the win over Jerry Savoie in um, his white alligator racing. Uh, Stevie Fast Jackson is the pro-mod champion. We've discussed him and his extreme talents before. Uh, top alcohol dragster champ is Megan Meyer, an upcoming star in our sport. Uh, Sean Bellamer gets the top alcohol funny car championship. Uh, and then comp eliminator, um, Frank Aragona Jr. wins that. We talked in depth with Brad Plored last week who ultimately got third in the uh, final points race. Certainly comp is a lot like the sport of cricket, uh, at least in my mind, but uh, congrats to Frank Aragona Jr. for winning that. Super stock, which we just talked about uh, um, also, or we'll talk about, sorry, with our next guest, uh, Vic Penrod gets the win. Uh, Stock champion is Allison Dahl. Super gas goes to jeremy mason Your super comp champion is raymond miller the third nice job ray ray uh top sportsman champion as we've discussed is sandy wilkins nicely done to sandy wilkins uh, for winning the top sportsman world championship and then our man danny nelson who went on that historic run this summer ran away with the top dragster world championship so Congrats to all our champs, but especially Sandy Wilkins and Danny Nelson. Um, now, divisional champs go like this. In Division One, your top sportsman were, divisional champ is Ronnie Proctor Sr. Uh, you've heard that name before because he's done it before. Um, Alan Kenny gets the win in top dragster. He gets it done in the last race of the year at Vegas. Nicely done. Makes the haul from Division I out to Vegas to win that division. Uh, division Two is... Uh, Sandy Wilkins, uh, just like your uh, national champion, so he he wins the th- whole thing, plus a Division two championship. Jeff Strickland gets it done on the top dragster side. In Division three in uh, my area of the country, Curse- Curtis Frederick gets the win in top sportsman, and Mike Coughlin gets the win in top dragster. You heard Mike on the show just prior to the U.S. Nationals talking about how important all that was at the U.S. Nationals. Uh, But congrats to Curtis Frederick and Mike Coughlin for winning in what is essentially the fastest division in the country. In Division 4, your top sportsman champion is Lance Rutland, and your top dragster champion is Aaron Stanfield, who also made a debut in pro stock, and my understanding is that he's going to run a lot more pro stock next year, so we'll see if he tries to back that up in top dragster. In Division 5, your top sportsman champion is Alan Firestone um, in his beautiful machine. And then your top dragster winner is Victoria Johnson. Um, I, by all accounts, did not do a great job of getting uh, Division 5 racers on the show, so we're going to try to do a better job at that next year. And we'll start with Alan and uh, Victoria, hopefully. In Division 6, your top sportsman champion is Joe Maloff, and your top dragster champion is Paul, my hero, Nero, your former world champ. Um, in Division Seven, your top sportsman winner is Doug Crumlich, who came oh so close to winning the national championship uh, in Vegas, but he finishes second nationally and ultimately ties with Rich Okerman for first. And Doug gets the championship due to a tiebreaker. Um, and so. You know, tough break for Rich, but my understanding is that Rich is going to get a new car over the winter. So um, I would say, Doug, you better watch out for next year. Um, and your top dragster winner in Division 7 is my man, Steve Kasner. You heard him on the show multiple times. Uh, congrats to Steve Kasner and uh, and Doug Crumlich in Division 7. Now, the other thing we need to discuss is the schedules are now out for NHRA uh, both on the top sportsman and top dragster divisional and national events. The PDRA has released their schedule as well as Midwest pro mod series. So all those schedules are out. It is time to start getting dialed in and figure out what your travel arrangements look like for next year. Uh, we know that's a big part of it. Um, but, uh, they're out. So check those and ask for uh, time off from work early. Don't let, uh, You know, Susie from the mailroom, get in there and not let you get to the track. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute. On with us now is a super stock competitor. He's a bracket racer, and he is a country music singer-songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, PJ North. PJ, how are you today, my man?
2: Man, I'm doing great, Rex. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no. Excited to have you on. Um, I I think you had a, a show last night, if I remember right. Is that true?
2: I, I did, man. We played. Uh, we had a single release party for my brand new song "Lights On," and uh, so myself and another buddy of mine, who also had a single come out, we decided to get together and throw a little release party. Um, kind of invite all of our friends and family and everybody that could come out and party with us. And uh, so we got to do that last night down in Midtown here in Nashville, and it was a great time. We had a blast. So
0: awesome. I'm paying
2: for it today, but we had a great time. <laughs>
0: right Uh, welcome to the price of adulthood right um that's it man well hey um before we get into the uh, music side of it uh you are um a drag racer you know i don't know first and foremost is the right um way to phrase that but tell us a little bit about how you got into drag racing i mean i know the story goes way back so tell us about that
2: yeah man, you know it's a it's a pretty crazy story. My my dad was a racer back in the 70s and uh, loved drag racing and you know he got out of it for a long time, built his business up. Uh him and my mom both have a, you know, a construction business and in the 90s with the renaissance of NHRA kind of focusing on safety and different things. Um he was contacted uh to put safety walls on at National Trail in Columbus where I'm from and uh So he was able to build the mold that they actually use for the NHRA facilities. Um, That's his design. So all these NHRA racetracks have walls that he uh, built the mold for, which is a really cool thing. So in 96, he got back into racing, started racing. We had a little pickup truck, and he built my brother. Um, He had a 70 pickup that they built together, and so they started racing that. And he had also built a junior dragster from um, the Innovations Group and and, uh, Motivational Tubing and all those that company and he had had the blue the blueprint for that so he built that for me being a fabricator uh, and so my first car 1998 i had a pull start junior dragster um i was making laps at, at pacemaker's race dragway in, in mount vernon ohio and uh at at 10 years old i've been hooked ever since man it's been 20 years that i've been doing this um drag racing and i've raced all the classes um except for the fast ones basically <laughs> you know the stuff that you love i haven't had a chance to do that yet but otherwise, I've. I've raced quite a few of them, and um, I, like I said, with, without racing, I probably wouldn't have music, and without music, I wouldn't be where I'm at in racing. So it's it's kind of it's been I've been blessed my whole life to have that.
0: Ah, cool stuff, man! Very very cool stuff. Um, but um, and tell us about the cars you drive now, because they're they're pretty cool as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. So we have uh, yeah, I have a brand new 2005 Pontiac Sunfire uh, that me and my father in law built. Uh, we bought it out of East Texas. Uh, never been finished. We ended up finishing it and doing all the work. And George Warren here in Nashville helped us out um, with some chassis stuff. And it's, you know, as super stock as you can get. It. It's it's modified car. I run a 305 modified motor NASCAR deal. I run through the traps about 96, 9,800. Um, so that's my new fun ride. I don't get to race it as much because it's a class car, so it's a little little different. I also have a 66 Chevelle uh, that my dad owns that we've had for like, basically 15 years at this point. Um, one of the last race cars he got to drive and and i keep it and i uh that's my bracket beater man i love it we kind of run it in pro super pro um you know stuff like that and a super street before that and then i also have a stocker um so i have an 88 cutlass uh oldsmobile that my wife drives now and stock eliminator so it's really a family affair for all of us we get to all drive my father-in-law's got a 70 chevelle that he runs in super street and then we've got another little uh s10 sonoma um the nasty noma as amanda calls it that she runs in kind of pro and then her dad runs it in super pro and i run it a little bit too so we've got you know we try to hit all the classes we can yeah. with all those things but um yeah man it's been a blast i've been lucky i had a dragster i've had uh we had a 67 chevelle i had a 66 streetcar chevelle we've had i drove a corvette in high school that i raced in sportsman forever so um you know i've kind of i've had a bunch of and I love, I just love race cars, which my wife hates, That I just, I'm like, can I buy another one? Let's find another
0: one. So, yeah. <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> um, well that, no, that's really cool. You've got the full stable and, um, you know, that, that whole group of yours is a uh, very high level racers with a uh, father-in-law and, and. I'm going to tell you, you probably shouldn't let your wife drive your car um, that uh, Cutlass too much, or you may not get back in it yourself. I, I
2: don't think I'm getting it back, honestly, man. <laughs> she loves it, and she's kind of taken to a fish you know, fish and water with that deal. She wanted to drive it. I took her once. The first time I let her take it, we broke a bunch of stuff, man. We lost the pulley, which I'm still trying to replace forever uh, for the alternator, and it's a constant battle with that, but she kind of just learned and really you know, took to it, and she's you know she's got to chase people this year which is crazy. I, i've raced that car for six years and never got to chase a single person and she's got to chase like three races in a row i was like this is unbelievable she crushes the tree in that thing she really enjoys driving it um which is great i mean that's you know for her to be able to run the divisionals and the nationals with me um rather than her just like kind of have to crew chief is a big deal for us and uh we really enjoy that so i'm happy if that's what, if she's happy with it um i'm happy with it so it's all good
0: yeah, it sounds like the secret to uh, life right there. Make her happy and the rest of it kind of falls in line, right?
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: Well, and, and you live in Nashville, Tennessee right now. You said you're from Columbus but uh, or Columbus area, but now you live in Nashville, Tennessee, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I grew up in a suburb called Gahanna. Uh, it's just right next to the airport. Um, I spent, you know, all my formative years there, you know, and then I uh, I've been trying to get to Nashville at that point for like, six or seven years while I was in college, and then I took, you know, I was a consultant full-time for a few different firms, and uh, I tried to move to get to Nashville, couldn't get there, and then me and Amanda met, and uh, it just worked out, kind of, you know, fate, as they say, and I moved here in 2016, and uh, we've been just kind of doing our thing ever since.
0: And I just assume... That when you cross into the city limits of Nashville, they hand you a guitar and you start playing. Is that how that works? I don't know the exact uh, <laughs> rules for Nashville, but is that is kind of how that works, or no?
2: Pretty much, man. We've all just moved here. We've all migrated, and we're all artists, or we're all producers or songwriters. And uh, you know, I've been lucky. A lot of my friends were all implants. Uh, none of us are Nashville natives, and uh, so that's really good for us because we don't. We all have kind of have that. Um, we have that connection of, of being outsiders here, but that's really all of us, right? We're all just trying to chase that, you know, as Alan Jackson said, you know, chasing that neon rainbow. We're all in that uh, in that boat together. So, you know, I, I've had to pick up guitar, and I'm not the most experienced guitar player. I play basically, you know, as a rhythm or backup to to my guys when they play, you know, full band-wise. Um, but it's, it is one of those things. You just kind of get set in it. Here's your Martin. Here's your tip jar. Good luck. <laughs> Those are the two tools they give you when you move.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And so, tell us a little bit about your music. What uh, um, you know, what style? Kind of give us an example, or kind of tell us what we should expect if we're listening to PJ North.
2: Yeah. You know, it's crazy too because I I started. You know, I was uh, I grew up a huge country music fan as a kid. My first concert's person done. I've talked about that kind of in, in detail. But I grew up on country music, but I really couldn't sing a lick until I got older and kind of self taught myself. How to do, um, you know, certain things by basically impersonating singers that I heard on the radio. My mother was my music teacher as a kid. And so I got really into hip hop because I was really good at, at rapping and, and I was kind of battling all through high school and doing that whole like Eminem thing. And so hold on, that was let, a me, big let me get this straight.
0: <laughs> you were rap battling in high school. Is that true?
2: I was, that was a notorious, I am well known for that in my high school
0: years. Yes. Okay. That all was a right. thing for me.
2: <laughs> so I did that while still kind of, you know, making all the music I wanted to make and, uh, I finally came to a point where I was like, look, I've always wanted to be a country. You know, I wanted to make country music, but I also want to make the music I want to make. And it sounds like this. And we were all kind of moving in that uh, general vicinity of that. My band that I played with was was great about it. And I was like, look, this is what I've always wanted to do. I wrote songs for other people. Uh, and so that's kind of how we moved. And so my music now is, you know, we tell everybody, it's like if Sam Hunt and Brooks and Dunn got together, had a beer and then hung out with Luke Combs, like that kind of thing, it's a very eclectic mix of pop country, but you know, there's still got a little hip hop in there. You can kind of feel that some of the production stuff we do. Um, so it's a, it, it's an eclectic mix, but it's very modernized country, um, which I love. So, you know, some people are like, that's not country. I'm like, is what it is, right? It's the, in the eye, in the eye of the beholder at that point. But it's a, uh, it's like I said, a very, very popular mix of, of the music that I listen to now. And I'm, um, I still do the hip hop thing, right. For the race. I mean, a lot of people know me for my racing songs, like I said, and I still do that. Uh, just to prove a point to say that I can. I've never lost that. I haven't lost a step when it comes to the rapping. So uh, I still do that a few times for my racing friends and fans, and I've tried to incorporate that into the country music thing to show them both sides, uh, which is a lot of fun, too, because when we play shows at racetracks, we'll play the country music stuff, and they'll be like, oh, by the way, y'all wanted to hear this, and I play a little B-double-O-take-double-O or spray side get behind, whatever it may be. Um, so it's all in good fun. We we get to do that. Um, so that's kind of a high-level view of it.
0: Yeah, and there there are very few songs out there that incorporate our drag racing lingo and you're definitely uh you're the guy that does that and so that's very cool so um what is it bwo and then bwo take double o and then also um remind me the songs that you really talk about drag racing lingo
2: yeah so i've got a few and bwo take double o was the first one in 2013 i got linked up with brian whitworth and that thing took off in a weird Way that I never thought. I mean, it it gave me opportunities that I've never thought I had. So B-double-O, take-double-O, bled into Spray Slide Get Behind. Then I had All About That Wally. Um, I followed that up with Way of Life. Then I did Glory. Uh, and then I have a few that are unreleased. I have, or HGH, I put that out when I put out my first country EP, which oh, yeah. was a lot of fun. Yep.
0: Um,
2: so people kind of were like, oh, this is kind of crazy. So that's a, that's a really cool thing for me. Um, and then I have a few that are unreleased that I have put out. I've done, I did the Spring Fling 500K song, 500 on it, which I thought was really cool. Pete and Kyle reached out to me, and that was a big thing for me. They've been supporters of mine since day one. Um, and so I owe them a lot, too. And so I was happy to be able to do that for them. I've got a song called Weekend Warriors where it's um, it's actually a song I put together for NHRA um, and they never got back to me, but Hey, is what it is. The songs out there and they can, everybody can download these on my website, vpjnorth.com. All my racing songs are still free and available um, on my website for download. So they're on YouTube as well uh, on my racing channel and on my regular channel. So um, there's quite a few out there. Like I said, a lot of unreleased stuff that's out there too. That's kind of fun. Just demo stuff that I did that I put out because people kind of enjoy those things. So, um, yeah. they're out there. I've got, like like I said, like six or seven.
0: No, That's very, very cool. Um, I've, I'm just going to tell you I've enjoyed every single one of them. I forgot the names, but uh, the good, really good stuff. And you and you just released a new song. Um, so talk to us about uh, Lights On, your new song.
2: Yeah, you know, it's really crazy. I had this uh, idea when I was driving around and we were kind of talking about um, Miller Lights and, and Bud Lights and all this stuff. And I just in town, it's all about having this kind of play on words or a flip on words, or you you use this literal term, but you talk about it in a metaphorical way. And I wanted this to be a metaphor, like a a literal term that I just spoke about literally, but in a different manner. So that's kind of where the song came about. I wrote it with a buddy of mine, Chris Chodo and Chris and me uh, met at the Bluebird and we've been friends ever since. And we got together and I said, Hey man, I have this idea. I know that you like to do kind of some crazy guitar licks and do some different stuff. I think I know party country's not your thing, but we should write this song. And we got together and he was like, wow. And uh, I took it to my producers, Frank Leger and Michael Meckling, and they were like, this is it. This is what we want to do with it. And I was like, let's run with it. So Lights On came out November 15th. Um, I released it on all platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Amazon, everywhere you get music, Deezer, whatever, Pandora, it's all out there um it's one of my favorite songs i I haven't got to do a ton of party country like this like rowdy straight it's almost 90s mixed with modern country and i was very excited when we got to finish this song and so i was pretty pumped to be able to play it out last night for the first time live with full band
0: very cool hey i think rob's got this queued up right now so let's go ahead and listen to uh, a little bit of your new hit lights on by pj north
2: Got a little 12 pack and 99 problems, but not enough that this won't solve them. Catch me real chill, gold top can in my hand, phone in the solo cup, spinning my jams. If you can't find me, then you know
0: where to find
2: me. I'll be here with the live. Call home sitting right here with a cold one Find
0: me with the lights on. pj i like it man that is good stuff brother
2: i appreciate that man thank you so much like i said i'm very excited about it uh, we got a lot of good response from people and uh, we have a music video that we're kind of planning that i think my racing friends are, are really going to enjoy kind of incorporate some things and so pretty pumped about that but uh, just kind of a lot of things and i'm excited
0: yeah, you should be. I mean, that has got a real Friday night feel to it. And uh, yeah, I'm very disappointed that I have to go back to work for the rest of the week.
2: <laughs> I know that makes you, that's what we joked about, man. This just makes me want to crack open a cold one here at 11 o'clock in the morning, Central Time. I'm ready to get a little rowdy.
0: Right. Uh, PJ, hey, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, that was fantastic stuff. Uh, appreciate you filling us in a little bit on the backstory of all that you have going on and we wish you the best of luck man all our listeners go out there and download and make him part of your your playlist because uh pj is really really good stuff thanks for coming on brother
2: thanks so much rex i appreciate it man and uh, if you ever need anything don't hesitate to holler at me i appreciate y'all
0: you got it that was the great pj north Okay. As we hit the mile per hour cone, remember guys, girls, this is our tech section. Um, and I am working very hard on this section specifically for next year. Um, I'm really hoping that we can bring more manufacturers on to talk about their new stuff. Certainly PRI is always incredible from that standpoint and seeing new developments from all the manufacturers out there. I'm always amazed and you know, get uh, big eyed um, when I see the new shiny, cool stuff from our manufacturers. So my goal for this section of next year is to really get more people on, um, have more tech talk. Um, But I need a little help from you guys. I need you to let me know who you want to hear from. You want to hear from chassis builders. You want to hear from the engine builders. You want to hear from the trailer and coach manufacturers, uh, et cetera. Um, Do not hesitate to reach out. You know how to get a hold of me. You can um, email me at fast at outlook.com. You can hit the Facebook page. You can hit the Twitter page. Um, just let me know who you want, and I will attack that with a vengeance. Um, also, the other thing I think we can touch base with here in this section is as drag racers, we all have habits and the way we do things um, at the track. And I'm really curious, what is something that you do that you don't think most people do that really helps make your life easier at the track or more competitive. And I'm going to give you an example. For instance, I have a dually and a 48-foot gooseneck. And when we designed this thing, what I did was I designed it to, um, I have a 60-inch door on the side, and the golf cart goes in sideways. And that means when I pull into a track, I can pull the golf cart out first. uh, If for whatever reason I'm late to the track and I need to go, you know, get parked in the back and I need to go do whatever, that means I can pull the golf cart out first, get to where I need to go, check things out. It also means that if I get trailered early, I can load everything up. I can still go hang out, root on my friends, and then at the last minute load the cart and then, you know, get going down the road. So that to me has made my life easier. It saves some time. It allows me to get the cart in first and in last. And I'm curious if you guys have things like that um and it, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just a minor thing where you hang your air hose whatever it might be that make life a little bit easier for you. I'd be very curious to hear that type of stuff and uh welcome any and all comments on that. Um yeah, but so uh, let me know, and we will make this segment, The Mile Power Cone, much, much better in 2020. All right, let's bring it back in and take the stripe, guys, girls. That is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 31. There it is. Check the corner of your eye and the, see the wind light. Bam. Producer Rob, right on time. He is dead on with a zero with our favorite song of all time, Gloria, and this very beautiful Laura Branigan. Um, hey, thanks to our guests, Earl Falls and PJ North, for coming.